Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the final part of our series called Into the Wilderness. A few months ago, my wife, Sarah, and I were watching TV and I'd recorded Bear's Mission, one of the Bear Grylls survival programs, where he takes a celebrity out into the wild for two days to face all kinds of challenges. And during those two days, Bear asks them about their lives, their their career, their struggles and, and triumphs. And I'd seen the episode with Rob Brydon, with Anthony Joshua, with Gareth Southgate. And I think it was the episode with Johnny Wilkinson, the ex-England rugby player. And Sarah sat next to me on the sofa and I just sensed that she was getting irritated. Eventually she came out with this. She says, this program doesn't do anything properly. I'd rather see a proper interview or a proper survival program. This does neither. Now, I don't know what came over me, but I disagreed with her, I know. (laughs) And I said, the reason I like it is because there's something about the quality of interview when celebrities are out of their comfort zone without the usual stuff and people around them to make them feel secure. Here, they're more vulnerable and open and we see a different side to them. We see them facing and overcoming personal fears. Now, the wild, whether it's a jungle or a wilderness, with all of its challenges, creates a sense of vulnerability and reveals new things about us because we can't hide behind our stuff, our securities, our public persona. Why? Well, because it's an uncomfortable place to be for any length of time. And over this last month, we've looked at the wilderness, an environment of scarcity, hostility and uncertainty, and why it can be an important part of our journey in life and faith. You see, the wilderness can be a physical, emotional, relational or spiritual experience where many of our securities are stripped away and we find ourselves in an uncomfortable place, often feeling quite alone and a bit lost. Maybe a period of unemployment or loss, a struggle with mental health, a questioning of our faith. You know, where is God and is he real? It might be an ongoing financial struggle, a postnatal depression, a a relational issue or extended injury where we feel that life's on hold and we're just wandering around but not getting anywhere. There's no getting away from it that going into the wilderness is a tough, tough experience. It's true for any celebrity going out for two days with Bear Grylls. I mean, why do they choose it knowing that it's going to be hard? And the big question is, why does God allow us to head into the wilderness? Because Johnny rightly said on week one that the wilderness doesn't have to be a deviation of the story, but can actually be an essential part of the journey. But why? Because actually there are many negatives around the wilderness experience. I mean, firstly, it's a place where we're tempted. 
Because it's uncomfortable, it's easy to seek comfort from unhealthy places, a kind of a quick fix to make ourselves feel better. You know what they are, those unneeded online purchases. It's watching X-rated material or overeating or increasing alcohol consumption. Interestingly, just as Jesus started his public ministry, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. And what happens to him? Well, he's tempted by the devil. Why? Because the wilderness experience is tough and it makes us more vulnerable. So that's number one. Number two, it's a place where we can feel very alone and disorientated. You know, it's easy to cover up whatever is happening in our lives during these wilderness times, that we can be afraid uh, that others will think less of us or judge us if they knew what our thoughts and our doubts were. So we stay quiet and we stay lonely. It's hard to find a sense of purpose during these times. But thirdly, it's a place where it's easy to lose heart and quit. You know, staying in the wilderness can sap us of energy. Everything uh, can feel like it's hard work or pointless. And so the desire is, uh, to quit is so strong. It's true in our relationships. It's true when it comes to faith, especially if we've prayed that God would make things better and he hasn't. And this is the very place that we found Elijah in week two, afraid, alone, in the wilderness, when he says, I've had enough, Lord. It's all too much for me. And if all of this is true, why does God allow us to experience the wilderness? Why doesn't he rescue us from it? Well, I believe it's because the wilderness experience brings positive things to our lives. Firstly, it's a place that grows our character. It builds a strength and tenacity in us. You know, speak to many people who have been through a tough period, a wilderness experience, and they'll speak of how they've grown, you know, what they've learnt in that time that could only be learnt in the pain of the wilderness. You know, at the end of the two days away with Bear Grylls, all the celebrities come back so positive, having overcome fears, shared stories, pushed themselves to the limit and discovered that they're stronger than they thought. They might not rush back, but they've grown through the experience. And we learn new things about ourselves, overcoming fears, a grit and a determination, an ability to survive and get through challenges, and also an empathy and a compassion for others that we didn't have before. You know, the early wilderness years of marriage for Sarah and I, as we struggle to adjust to new life together, has created a deeper love and commitment to each other. I hated it at the time, but I love what it's produced in both Sarah and I, a strength and a tenacity and empathy for others. And Paul, an early follower of Jesus, who really took the message of Jesus into Europe, wrote, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they're good for us. They help us learn to be patient, and patience develops strength of character in us. So it's a place that grows our character, but it's a place that helps us to trust God more. Paul finishes off those verses with this, and patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. So as a Jesus follower, the wilderness doesn't just help us find out um, things about ourselves, we learn more about what it means to trust Jesus, to lean in and to depend on God. And this is such a necessary part of spiritual growth. In other words, when we think that we've got it all together and can control things, it's easy to think that we don't need God. 
But the wilderness takes us to the end of ourselves when we realize that we can't control everything and that we need to lean into God to trust Jesus more. That's scary, and yet it's the safest place to be. And thirdly, it's a place where we find the home of the miraculous. You know, most of the biggest ways I've experienced God work in my life is through the barren and wilderness experiences. You know, when finances have been scarce and I've had to trust Jesus with them and miracles have happened, you know, miracles I can't explain. You see, when we lean on God and trust him, it's when the miracles can happen. And the wilderness takes us to the end of ourselves when we run out of resources and could do no more. And then God steps in to make up the rest. The disciples discovered this on several occasions when spending time with Jesus. Like you and me, they were slow on the uptake of believing Jesus and trusting him despite the things that he was doing. In Mark's account of Jesus' life, probably the first of the four Gospels written, he tells the story of the feeding of the 5,000 in Mark chapter 6. All the Gospels include this event. You know, they've gone to an isolated place after Jesus has heard that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been executed by Herod. Uh, and Jesus wanted a quiet place to grieve. But the crowds heard where he was and they rushed to see him to be healed themselves or taking family and friends to be healed. And so all day, Jesus spent time with them, healing and setting people free of disabilities and fevers. And by late afternoon, the disciples came to him and told him to send the crowds away so that the people could get food from nearby towns. And Jesus said, you feed them. Now, the disciples must have thought, what a stupid thing to say. It's remote here. It's a place of scarcity. What the heck can we do to feed this lot? We don't have money or anything. Oh, hang on. Correction, Andrew, what, what have we got? Ah, five loaves and two fishes, wow. At least one person can stay and eat then, that's great. But Jesus gets the crowd to sit down and he takes the loaves and the fishes, prays, and then tells the disciples to start giving it out. They all ate as much as they wanted and afterwards they picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. 5,000 men had eaten from those loaves and fishes. So in this remote place, the disciples witness a miracle. They were part of the miracle. And do you know what? Despite being wowed by what they'd just witnessed, the disciples didn't get who Jesus was. They still didn't believe in him. 10 verses later, Mark writes these words. They still didn't understand the significance of the multiplied lows, for their hearts were hard and they did not believe. So how can you not believe in Jesus when you've just witnessed that? But like us, they were slow on the uptake when it comes to following Jesus. So Jesus gives them a wilderness experience to teach them the same lesson and to get them to believe in him. And this is the forgotten event or the often untold event of the loaves and the fishes, because two chapters later, Mark writes, about this time, another large crowd had gathered and the people ran out of food again. And Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They've been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they'll faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. And his disciples replied, how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? And Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they, provide, they replied. 
So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Does this sound familiar? Uh, And then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them and broke them into pieces. And he gave them to his disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. And a small, a few small fish were found too. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. And they ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 men in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they'd eaten. Now, isn't it interesting that the disciples responded in exactly the same way as before? The previous feeding of the 5,000 miracle just hadn't sunk in. Now, who do you think this miracle was performed for, the crowd or the disciples? Well, Jesus had compassion on the crowd, but this miracle was as much for the disciples as the Gentile crowd because he involved them again, just like last time. He, he wants them to believe in him, to trust. It's all part of his training program for them. And I wonder what they were thinking as they were handing out the food for the second time, seeing a repeated miracle happen from their very own hands. And I love how Jesus, how, how they didn't get it first time, so he repeats it, but this time in the wilderness. And that's exactly what he has to do with me so often. Go over the same thing until I get it. That's gift day for me at the forge. Every year I panic thinking God won't provide. It's all going to go wrong. And every year he provides. Listen, when we're in the wilderness, we feel that we lack so much. We lack in energy to make that relationship work. We lack in hope that things will get better. We lack faith that God really will act. We lack vision of what life can be like in the future. Everything can seem black and dark and it's so easy to feel powerless and helpless. But just like the disciples felt, in fact, in the wilderness place, they had none of the usual things around them to draw on. There were no shops. They didn't have the money to pay sandwiches for 4,000 people plus. Yet it was heading into the wilderness that Jesus wanted to teach them something important, that they were not powerless or helpless, but they were dependent, dependent on Jesus. And when they depended on him, the miracle could happen. So dependency isn't powerlessness, nor is it inertia, you know, just to sit back and do nothing. This miracle took place because the disciples bought what they had, handed it to Jesus so that he could do what only he could do. And then they fed the people. Miracles take place more often in the wilderness than at any other time. It's true throughout the Bible and through the experience of Jesus followers all over the world. You see, in the the wilderness, it's like a fast track program. It's an intense time of training designed to grow our character, our faith, our patience and perseverance. And for some of us, we've stopped growing. And maybe God will lead us into the wilderness, into a time of uncertainty, hostility and scarcity, where it's tough, but we can stride out stronger, changed, more confident in God. And when God leads you into the wilderness, you don't come out the same. That's a miracle in itself. So the wilderness is not a punishment, but an opportunity for growth, for trust and dependence on God. Looking back over this series, the wilderness doesn't have to be a deviation to your story, but can actually be an essential part of the journey. That it's in the quiet of the wilderness where we can hear the whispers of God's voice. And it's in the places where we are in most need, where we can experience God the most.
And it's a place where we find the home of the miraculous. So let's not fear the wilderness or, or even run from it, but let's, let's embrace it and allow God to do the miraculous in us and through us as we trust and depend on him. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the Forge. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.